Glad to be here. Glad to continue to um, to share with you some scripture from Timothy this morning. Are you ready for God's word? Go with me to First Timothy chapter two. Go with me to First Timothy chapter two, and we're going to begin there. Last week, um, last week as we were diving into the scriptures, we looked at First Timothy chapter one, and we focus on. Uh, what it looks like, what the purpose of Scripture is, right? We we looked at what is Scripture about, what what's the purpose of Scripture, uh, what what are the purpose of what is the purpose of God's commandments for our lives, and we deducted just looking at the Scripture that we read last week that when it comes to the Scriptures and learning the Scriptures and knowing His commandments, His commandments are are for this purpose. His commandments teach us to love God, to love others, right? Are you with me? His commandments teach us to love God and love others. The scriptures teach us to live a guilt-free life. You know, being a Christian doesn't mean that we go around beating each, beating each other up and beating ourselves up, right? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? So God calls us to live a guilt-free life as we follow and obey His commands. He calls us to genuine faith. And through the scriptures, we learn to wage war against the enemy. How many of y'all know the Word of God is good for battle? Anybody with me? The Word of God is good for battle. When the enemy comes in and clouds our minds and when we're being attacked in one way or another in our workplace or at home or whatever it may be, it is through the promises of God's Word that we can stand. It's important that we know the Word of God because it is weapon for warfare. Are you with me? The warfare that we do spiritual, we need that Word of God to be in us. The Scriptures, the commandments of God are so that we can wage war against the enemy. So keeping that in perspective, that's what we talked about last week. Today, I want to dive into the Scripture um, following that in chapter 2. And I want to talk to you about Christians and secular authority. I want to talk to you very briefly about uh, what it looks like to be a believer, to be a follower of Jesus, and to obey secular authority or how do how do we live in the midst of a secular government i want to talk to you about the 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 follower of jesus and his response to a government now if you look through natural eyes it's very clear to see that we're living in intimidating times do you agree when we see things from the eyes of the world or with our natural eyes there are definite things that are concerning and today I'm going to, I guess, before I begin this message, I like to say that this is a, a home message, which means that I'm actually going to be speaking, I understand that I'm in an American context and I'm speaking to Americans about what does it look like to be a Christian in the midst of an American government? What is the expectation that God has placed on us in the midst of our government, in the midst of our nation? What should we do? What does the scripture teach us to do? There are many decisions that are being made and directions that our leaders are taking that we can say that they don't really line up to the will of God. Many of us could say that we see certain things happening within our government that don't necessarily honor God's word. Do you agree? We may look at many issues, issues related to education, and just looking at our school system and how creator God has been taken out and how abstinence has been taken out of education, and we can say that's a challenge. That's an issue concerning God, and it should concern us. There's issue related to same-sex union, which is now in the burners of the Supreme Court, which is an issue that matters to God, and it should matter to us. There's issues related to our response to the ISIS crisis and the Muslim integration, and that's an issue that matters to God and should matter to us. There's issues related to amnesty and immigration, and what does it look like to welcome strangers and yet have godly boundaries? Those issues matter to God, 
and it should matter to his church. Issues related to hate and race crimes and police brutality and the things that are happening in today's culture still, those issues matter to God and they should matter to us. Issues related to one's business and religious beliefs and what someone is expected to do and not expected to do when they have certain religious beliefs and they own a business. Those issues are really big today. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're big. They, they matter to God and they should matter to us. There are issues related to freedom of speech and the right to bear arms. Those issues matter to God and they should matter. They should concern us. And all of those decisions are being made and talked about in the global, in a, le- in a leadership level in America. And in the midst of all kinds of decisions being made, something that you and I have to be aware of is the decisions being made today by our president, the decision being made today by our Congress, the decision made by our government will affect us and will affect our children and our children's children. Because here, the government is the people, right? And so... Very clearly, these things concern God. They should concern us. And in the midst of this, we can rightly affirm, we can say that, yeah, there are decisions being made that we can say, we don't believe that those decisions are pleasing God. We can even say that there are specific leaders who are obviously not seeking the favor of God. Can we say that? There are definitely leaders who are not seeking the favor of God. So now we as believers who are seeking the favor of God, how do we respond to authority who is not necessarily seeking the favor of God? How do we live in the midst of a country that where we may see authority who is not seeking the favor of God? I believe I believe 1 Timothy chapter 2 gives us an example of what Christians should do, how they should be a blessing to their nation and their government. Go with me to uh, go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2 there. I'm going to read the scriptures there. Scripture reads this way. Therefore, now remember, we talked about the therefore last week. Therefore always calls us to look back at the Scripture before. Scripture before talked about God's commandment in the Scripture, that you teach us to love God, to love others, to live a guilt-free life, that you teach us to wage war with the Scriptures in prayer, right, to believe, stand in the gap. And so in light of all that reality, now Paul says, therefore, therefore, I exhort first of all, now exhort is a powerful word. Another translation will say urge. And what that means is I want you to do this with priority. This is an urgent matter to the kingdom and you need to walk in it. Okay? So so it says this, I exhort first of all, in other words, with great priority, with first priority, that supplications, prayer, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for some men. For all men, right? Not for just the men we like. Not just for the Congress people we like. Or the president we approve. Oh, well, it's kind of quiet. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved. Say, all men. Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. And the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom, a ransom for all. 
Let's, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Lord, thank you for your word today and for giving us clarity to understand your word. For a certain God, uh, there's a responsibility that we have in regards to being believers and praying for our government. And I pray, God, that you would give us wisdom, clarity, a heart to receive, and that we will walk obediently in this. Uh, Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for the ability to receive and preach this word, God, and understand it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. How should we respond to our government? How should we respond to everything going on today? What action steps do we take? Here are the action steps that Paul gives Timothy that the church needs to take. Number one, we are challenged by Paul to stand in the gap in prayer for our government, for our authority. The church should pray. And now the scriptures break that up in four different words, and it's translated differently in every, in every um, version that we have in the English language. But the meaning for each word is different. Uh, there are different things that we can take from it, and I want to just break down those words, and I want to talk to you a little bit about what that means. Number one, it says supplication. Supplication. And supplication is, is, is rightly defined as begging, to beg, to implore, to ask with great desperation. When you look at the Bible for an example of supplication, you, you can see that there are two mothers that show us an example of someone who comes to God in great desperation and prays and asks God to intervene. Number one, you see the story of Hannah. Hannah, who couldn't have a child but was being tormented by the other wife of her husband, who had children. At one point, Hannah went into the temple of God, and there the priest was looking and bearing witness to the fact that there was a woman that came, and she looked crazy as she was praying. She was so filled with sorrow and so overwhelmed in her intercession that the priest of the house thought, look at this, he thought to himself, look at this woman. She looks like a dr- she's a drunkard, Right? And Eli said to her, how long, how long will you keep in your drunkenness? You come to the house of God this way. And Hannah said in her, Hannah responded to Eli this way. No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. And supplication means to pour out our soul before the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Paul says that we should make supplication for our kings and our authority and our government. Let me ask you a very sincere question. How much supplication have we made for Obama? How much supplication have we made for our Congress? How much of our hearts have been poured out for our Senate? How much supplication have we made this week or, or, or in the last days, knowing that our judicial system, our Supreme Court, has a massive decision to make in regards to marriage. God calls us to stand in the gap and make supplication. And that is begging before God. Oh, God, bring about justice. Oh, God, bring about clarity. Oh, God, bring about your presence. Oh, God, bring about revival in our precedent and in our nation. In other words, tied with that is complaining. But not complaining to our neighbors. Can I get an amen? amen? Well, I don't complain to my neighbors. I don't even know them. Just my friends that I... 
Listen, by bringing our complaint and, and, and our stress before God, who's able to do something about it. How much supplication have we made for our government? Oh, there's another woman in the Bible recognized as a Syrophoenician lady who cried out, Oh God, heal my daughter, redeem her from this demon possession that controls her. And Jesus said to her, I, I, I am called first to Israel. I can't give the bread of Israel to the dogs. Right? But she was so desperate that she said, Oh, but even dogs have the crumbs off the table. Okay. In other words, she said, Okay, I'll take that. But how about the crumbs? Jesus, would you give me the crumbs? I wonder how many people are saying, oh, God, I get that this world is in this condition and that you're coming soon. But, God, I'm praying for the crumbs, which you bring revival to America again. How many people are standing in the gap making supplication? Second word is prayer. And prayer talks about asking for blessing and provision, asking for God to provide, asking for God to provide whatever is needed for your government, for your president, for your Congress. That word prayer means that we need to ask God to supply our precedent, to supply our government with godly counsel. That word means that we are to ask God to reveal his resources for his purposes to our precedent and to our Congress and to our our, uh, Senate and to our Supreme Court. That word prayer means that we are to stand in the gap for them and ask that they will be taken care of. How many of us have been praying for our Congress? God, supply them according to your riches and glory. No matter what we think they have. Now, how many of us actually believe that we need to be praying, God, supply our government with wisdom today, that they may make decisions that would please you? How many of us, you don't have to raise your hand for this one. How many of us are actually praying that way for our government? The second word there is, the third word there is intercession. And this is when it gets really heavy and this is when I get really convicted. The Bible says that we are called, the Bible clearly calls us here to intercede for our leaders. And intercession is one of those words that can never be watered down. Listen, to intercede means to take one's place before God as Christ took our place before God and cried out, forgive them for they know not what they do. Again, intercession is to take one's place before God as Christ took your place and cried out, forgive them, Lord, they know not what they do. When Paul says that we are to intercede for kings and authorities, it means that you and I need to intercede for our government. And that means that you and I have to be willing to take the place and intercede for those who do not intercede for themselves. Now, let me just tell you what intercession looks like. Intercession looks like what Moses did. Do you remember when God was so angry with Israel that God said, I'm going to wipe out these people? And Moses said, no, Lord. First, wipe me out and redeem your people. I don't know about you, but there aren't many times where I'm saying, God, send me to hell before you send my people to hell. What kind of compassion filled Moses that he would say, God, let your judgment be poured out on me before it's poured out on your people? What kind of love fills someone that says something like that? What kind of person is the person who says that? An intercessor says that. And you and I have been called by God to intercede. Intercede for our government. Oh, I'm looking for a church that's going to be willing to say, you know what, I don't got nothing negative to say because I got too much work to do in intercession 
for my precedent and for my government. Oh, I don't have anything negative to say because my heart is filled with compassion, with compassion over the reality that my government, my government needs Jesus. And I'm praying and I'm asking, oh God, change things for your glory. And then Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, God says, oh, uh, Paul says, you know, we need to pray in supplication, beg before God for our government, pray for blessing over our government, government, stand in the gap for our government and intercede and then give thanks for our government. Oh, man, I know that things look tough, but let me tell you something. You don't got it bad. We don't got it bad. We live in a blessed place and there's a lot that we need to be thankful for. Granted, there's a lot that we're not thankful for. I understand. But we need to take the opportunity to be thankful to the Lord. Amen? For what he's done and what he's establishing today. Don't hate me, all right? I love you. I'm just preaching the word of God. Amen? Amen. We are supposed to come before God and intercede for our government in this powerful way where we're begging for our government, we're praying for our government to be blessed, we're praying, we're interceding and standing in the gap when our government is not. We are, we are being thankful to God for the good things that we do see in our government. And why do we do this? Why does the Scripture call us to do this? Why should we as a church pray like this for our leaders? Number one, because intercession for our leaders bears fruit of true peace. Because when we stand in the gap and we intercede this way, it brings forth true peace. I want you to pay attention to what the scripture says there. It says this, verse 2, Pray for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. In other words, the product of the church that prays and intercedes in this way and and begs before God in this way, the fruit of that is a people who live in peace. It is a people who live in tranquility and in godliness and reverence. So it is true peace. Notice it doesn't say peace in the midst of corruption. It says peace in godliness and reverence. In other words... I'm going to take you, this is, this is very deep. This is what God was revealing to me. There's power in your prayer enough to change your land. There's power in your prayer enough to change the condition of your nation. You know, I'm, I'm beginning to get really sick and tired. Really sick and tired of this whole, well, God's going to have his will anyway attitude. God's going to have his will attitude. Where are the Abrahams who stand in the gap for Lot and say, well, wait a minute, God, are you really going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? What if there's one right? What if there's 40 righteous, 20 righteous? I understand that God's going to have his will, but where is his church that knows the heart of God? And know that God will turn to compassion where, where there's a praying people. Anybody with me today? The Bible says here that when we pray this way, the fruit of it is that we will live in peace in godliness, and in, right, and in reverence. In other words, our prayers, as we stand in the gap for our nation, we can change the reality of this country. Do you understand that today? This is what I understand. This is what, what grabs my attention about that. Number one, wow, there's more power and authority than I ever imagined in prayer. And secondly, if God's given me that authority and responsibility, then I'm going to be held accountable for it. Because... Because if that's the fruit of true prayer before God, 
and we haven't been walking and praying for our government and our leaders that way, then now we're bearing the fruit of our prayer life. Now, not all of that is completely on us. A part of that is. Part of that is our responsibility. We're called by God to stand in the gap. Why? Because true intercession brings about true peace and godliness and righteousness. And why else? Because it pleases God. 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 7. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. God is pleased with those who pray for their leaders. And God, who is completely 100% righteous and perfect in all his ways, says that this is good and acceptable. I want you to think about that. Now let's talk for a little bit. In what other portion of Scripture do you find that God says, this is good? Huh? When God created everything, he said, this is good. Do you remember that? And God created the heavens and the earth, and he said, this is good. And God created the beast, and he said, this is good. All those things God created, and he said, this is good. And then what happened on the seventh day? What did he call us to do? To rest. And what are we resting in? The goodness of God. Right? I believe that God wants us to abide in that which is good. And what is good before God? That we intercede and we abide in the place of intercession for our government. God declares that good. You know what else I think about good and acceptable? I think about Abel, how he brought an acceptable sacrifice before God. How he brought an offering that God was so pleased with that he found favor in the eyes of God. Here's the deal. You want your prayers to be answered? Pray the prayers that matter to God. Pray for what matters to God. God says to you, it matters to me that you pray for your government. That is acceptable before God. That is an effective prayer before God. That is a prayer that God will hear. I want to do that which God calls acceptable and that God finds pleasing. Are you with me? Third, because God desires salvation of all men. Why should we pray this way? Because God desires salvation. For he desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. Notice the heart of God here. Why are you praying for them? Because you agree with them? No. Because you like the decisions being made? No. You're praying for them because it pleases God and and. And secondly, because God's intention is always salvation. God's intention is to always lead men to Christ. And Jesus Christ is the true God. He is the only mediator. And if you believe in Christ, then you are a representative of that mediator. And if people come to Christ, it's because you're representing him well. Are you with me? You are a representative of Christ. And just like Christ, you, you're called to mediate, to lead people to him. God's desire is salvation. I want you to just dig deep. Dig deep with me now. When you look at precedents, when you look at your government, when you look at your Congress, are you filled with compassion? And are you filled with a desire to see them saved? Do you hunger for them to come to the saving knowledge of who Jesus is? Do you hunger for them to come to the light of Christ? Do you even envision what that would look like? Can you imagine what it would look like 
for leaders of that position to be radically saved? Do you even dream about that? Do you allow that to fuel your prayer life for them? You know, I think that there are other kinds of kings in the world, and that's the kings of media. There are a lot of people who have authority, governmental authority, but there are a lot of people in music and television who have great authority over this nation. Can you imagine if some of these people got saved? Can you imagine if some of these people got radically saved? I remember I was talking to Pastor Shannon, and I was talking negatively about a certain leader, some of you may not even be aware of, but uh, uh, a certain leader in Cuba whose name was Fidel Castro. And I remember saying, I can't wait till that guy dies. It's going to be good for Cuba. You know, being in Latin America from that region, I know how bad the guy has been. And you know what Shannon says? No, don't say that. I've been praying every day for him to get saved. Whoa. Whoa. You know, who is totally, completely, utterly wicked that God's waking you up in the middle of the night to pray for every day? Because I'm hoping somebody's praying for someone. I'm hoping someone's praying for these leaders in the media world. Man, I'm not saying that I'm approving of their work. Their work is hideous and poisonous, but they need salvation. They need the grace of God, just like you and I need the grace of God. Because God's intention is salvation. And I want you to know something. Why should we pray this way? According to Romans chapter 13, 1 through 7, because God has placed them in the authority that they have. Whether you like it or not, whether it's acceptable or not, the reality is God has placed them in that authority and we should obey. We should obey. We should pray for God's favor and blessing. Now, at what point do we disobey? And we'll close with this. At what point do we back away and say, hey, we don't have to obey? At the moment that the authority is calling us to disobey God's word. At the moment that a government calls us to disobey God's word, we are not responsible to obey that kingdom or that authority. But I want you to tell you that, I want, I want you to know, when that happens, we still need to walk in reverence and in honor toward those authority that we disobey. For example, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had erected an image and he demanded that everybody worship. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went before the king and the king said, you know what? I, I have this law. You're supposed to bow down to this image. When the trumpets blow, you better worship or you're, I'm throwing you in the fiery furnace. And they said to him, O king, they acknowledge who he was. O king, we want you to know that we will not worship your image because we worship the Lord God and we believe that he will deliver us. But even if he doesn't deliver us, we want you to know, O king, we will not worship your image. They said no to disobedience to God, but they said it with reverence. They said it understanding the office of that man. And God gave them victory. There's going to be a time where the church is going to have to take that position. It's going to be a time where we're going to have to say yes. And there's times right now, there are certain families right now who have to make decisions right now to obey God. I'm telling you that even in the midst of that, you and I are to act as light and not as darkness. Some would say, well, man, that's a, Why this word? Why today, pastor? Why on this day? And I've been moved with great urgency and great concern because it seems to me 
that we don't realize the position we have and the influence we have through the power of prayer. And it seems to me that most of us are okay with complaining and talking about these decisions instead of bringing them before God. And it seems to me that if anything will change, it's because you and I will believe that there's power when we intercede. Well, today I'm not praying that God will bring our government to repentance. I'm praying that God will bring us to repentance. I'm not praying that God will change Obama's heart. I'm praying that God will change our hearts so that we can stand in the gap and do the things that we're supposed to do. I'm not praying that Congress will make the right decisions first. I'm praying that the church will make the right decision and get on their knees. I'm not asking for Congress to make the, take the right position on certain issues. I'm asking that the church gets on the right position before the altar of God and pray and pray. Oh, God, revive us again. Revive us again. Would you stand with me today? There are a lot of decisions being made today. Right now, there are decisions being Right now, there may be a supreme, someone sitting in Supreme Court, a judge who has made up their mind that God may want to change their mind. Who knows? Right now, there's someone still in the midst of the battle figuring out what decision they're going to make in regards to same-sex unions because they're not marriages. Are we standing in the gap and praying? The only force that can stop this flow is the church of God who prays. The only thing that can turn things around is a church that raises up like a standard against the enemy. Will we take our position and pray? Now let's, let's beg before God for our government for a minute. Let's beg before God. Let's intercede right now. Before we do that, let's beg for the church. <laughs> let's beg, oh God, that we will believe in the power of prayer. Would you begin to pray that way? Would you begin to repent as a church and say, God, I repent for not taking my position in prayer. I repent, Father God, for not knowing the power you've given me through intercession. I repent for talking more about my precedent than I do praying for my precedent. I repent, Father God, for all my nasty, sarcastic, disrespectful language. Instead of speaking life and praying and begging for mercy, I repent. I repent. Oh, God, I repent. Right now, maybe you're here and you're saying, I want to take my, I want to, I, I make a commitment today. Take up my arm of intercession and intercede right now for my country. I want to see revival again in America. That's you, would you just raise your hand right now and say, this week I'm going to stand in the gap for the Supreme Court. I'm going to stand in the gap and I'm pleading for revival in my nation again. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Father, right now we beg, we plead, oh God. We plead for America, oh God, revive her. Revive her, oh God, revive her, God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. 
Maybe you're here and you're saying, I want God to give me the right heart, the right heart towards my country and towards my government. God, give me the right heart that I would pray effectively. If that's you, would you raise your hand right where you're at? Right where you're at. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Father, right now, give us the right heart, oh God. Give us the right heart, oh God. Give us the right heart, oh God. That we would speak truth the way that we speak truth to our children, God. That we would speak truth and love, God, in the name of Jesus. Break our hearts for our nation, Lord. Break our hearts for our government, God. Break our hearts, oh God, for John Kasich, God. Break our hearts, oh God. Oh God. Break our hearts. Break our hearts for our governor, God. Hallelujah. 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 And Father, we give you thanks for your presence. Lord, we give you thanks for your presence ahead of time prophetically. God, we give you thanks for the mighty work that you will do here. We thank you, Lord. We bless you. We bless you. We praise you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Now that we've repented, just take time to now pray for your government. Begin to pray for America. Pray, God, revive America again. God, bring revival to America again. Bring revival to America, oh God. Let the power of your Holy Spirit define this nation. Oh God, may Toledo be holy Toledo again. And may Oregon be holy Oregon, Father God, for your glory. Father God, let this nation be consecrated for you. Let there be no apologies for holiness, God, today. Yes, God. We stand in the gap. Oh, God. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, in the name of Jesus right now. Right now. Now I want you to begin to intercede for our precedent. Let's pray for our precedent. Father, right now I stand in the gap, God, for my precedent. And I want to repent, Father God, before you for all of the things that I've said that hasn't been pleasing to you about the precedent. I want to repent before you, oh God, for the church, for the things that we have said against them. Instead of bringing things to you about him, God, instead of praying before you, God. And I pray, God, that you would bless my precedent with wisdom, God, and understanding, God, that you would surround him with with godly wisdom, oh God. I thank you, God, that you would surround him with men of God who will speak your truth, oh God. Provide him with everything he needs according to your riches and glory, God. Provide him, oh God, with understanding that he may lead this nation back to you, God, in the name of Jesus. We speak blessing, God. We speak open his eyes and his ears to hear your voice, oh God. Allow him to be sent. Give him a heart of flesh to listen to you, God. Oh, we stand in the gap for him and his daughters and his wife. And his daughters and his wife, protect them, God. Protect them, God, from the attacks of the enemy, God, and the lies and the deception of the enemy, God. Bring blessing, favor, God. Bring them to you, Jesus, I pray. Bring them to you, Jesus, I pray. Bring them to you, Jesus. Bring them to you, Jesus. Yes, God. Yes, God. Right now, God, we cry, revive us, revive us, revive us. Revive us, God. Revive us, God. Revive us, God. Revive us, God. Oh, revive us, God. Oh, we worship you. And all the earth will sing of your great name. And let this nation sing your great name. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As we come to a close today, can we just sing this chorus uh, as we, we come to a close today? praise your great name. I can't wait, God. And I envision, God, as I pray, I envision, Lord God, seeing Congress and our president pleading before your presence, Lord God. Oh, Lord God, thank you, God. All the earth will praise your great name. And God, we do await the day when you come in your glory, and all the nations will be under your authority. But until that day, we will intercede for the people you love. Let the Lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Let the Lamb who was slain receive the reward of His suffering. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, the altars are open. If you need prayer, would you come up to the altar? We'd love to hang out and pray with you. If you're here today, maybe you're here and you feel this very serious. And this is, just listen to me. You feel today God is birthing in you. God is putting in you a desire to pray. Uh, 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 I don't even know how to say this. But you feel the call to intercede. You know that. And God is firming that up in you. Maybe you've given up your weapon of, of intercession and praying in a deep place, and especially for this country. I just feel led to welcome you to come up to the altar. You're here, and you know that God's called you to take this authority, and something's happened, and, and you haven't been taking your authority in intercession. Would you come up to the altar? Let's just renew that vow of, God, we're going to intercede for our nation. We're going to intercede for our country. We're going to intercede today. Would you come up to the altar? The altars are open. Amen. We love to pray with you. God bless you. God bless you. Have a great day. Happy Mother's Day. Mothers, bless you. Bless you today. Amen. Yes, God. Jesus.